This is Divorce Happy Hour, a show about divorce and issues people face going through divorce. Your co-hosts are Christina Previtt and John Nocklinger. For more information about the show and to connect with us, head over to divorcehappyhour.com. And now, on to today's show. Everybody, this is the Divorce Happy Hour podcast live. I'm joining you today with Nancy Berger. She has been a guest on the show before, and hopefully you are all very familiar with her. She is a fear strategist, and she is here to talk about divorce fear and how to get unstuck. Thank you for joining me today, Nancy. Thank you for having me, Christina. Happy to be here. It's always a pleasure. I always find your information useful even in my own personal life, I'm not getting a divorce, but I think it's relevant for whether you are getting a divorce or not, because fear doesn't really discriminate. So a lot of it sort of looks the same. And I want to talk today about the initial process for someone who's thinking about a divorce, but they're having difficulty really making that decision to get a divorce. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's a that's a heavy question because it, it it involves so many emotions. When someone is in that early stage of deciding, you know, whether they're going to ask for a divorce and even if they've asked for one, what's what are next steps, what's the best way to go, mediation, collaborative, litigation, all these things. And that's just a sliver of the emotion, right? Because there's family, sometimes children, extended family that are you know, weighing in, friends that are weighing in. And and often I think people can get so inundated with with unsolicited and or solicited advice that they just get frozen. They just are inert, like they can't move out of their own way because there's an onslaught of information. I think that's really normal. And I uh, like you and I were talking about before we came on, um, you know, it, it can be difficult to even notice that you're stuck because you're just you're just overwhelmed and your nervous system is, you know, on high alert. And it's just a really difficult process. So I think this is a, a great discussion to have. And as you said, it, it applies to all walks of life, but particularly this really energized, you know, process of divorce. I mean, let's face it, you know, making the decision to get a divorce is huge it's i think divorce is at the very top of the list in terms of disruptive events stressful events that a person could ever have in their lifetime yeah so we definitely don't take this lightly and and you actually have talked about your own personal experience with divorce so you can understand this from a personal perspective mm-hmm. um, but for the people that it might not be so obvious that they're stuck can you tell us what it might look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a lot of a lot of the work that I do is is raising awareness, kind of elevating people out of their own stuckedness. I call it, you know, because we don't always know. So there's a couple of telltale signs. Um, you know, if you're a person who feels really uncomfortable standing in your own you know, needs and wants. In other words, if the thought of expressing those or asking for things, what do I need? What do I want? What is important to me? If the thought of that just makes you very uncomfortable and you just don't want to, you know, speak up, 
you could be really stuck in, in fear-based thinking. If you get uncomfortable at the idea of, you know, intimate conversation to sh express your feelings with, you know, your spouse or the, the, the person that you're living with that you may be having trouble with. Um, that that's another signal. If you apologize all the time, if you feel like it's an imposition, anytime you want to take up space, these are all kind of telltale signs that, you know, you have a narrative going on in your brain about your value, your worth, whether you're enough or not. And, and it fuels itself. It's self-perpetuating and it's, I'm not suggesting it's easy to stop it, but the first step is noticing that it's happening. So when you feel things, instead of just accepting that as, oh, it is what it is, one of my least favorite expressions, why, why am I feeling this way right now? What's getting triggered? And really dig in and spend some time with yourself. A lot of good information comes from that. And that's always the first step that I, I take on with people. That's really great advice. You know, it's just being self-aware, you know, self-awareness self and, and with everything that we do, it, it can really be a game changer because the first okay. thing, as you said, you know, the first thing is to just maybe kind of observe yourself, you know, as though, you know, there was this other person watching you, like observe your thoughts. Um, there's a, a book that I've read by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you've read it, The Power of Now. Yes. And it's not for everybody. It, no, it's, it's not a, it's not a light read. Yeah. It can be a little woo woo, but it's interesting. It's fascinating. It is. And you know, the first time I read it was many years ago and I couldn't even get past the first chapter. I'm like, this is crazy. I didn't go back to it for many years and then I found it again and it spoke to me. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. I yeah. Like, and it's like, it, and it's like another book that I love and I talk about a lot is Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett, that, which is a, a, a much lighter read, but, but a very interesting, uh, a very interesting perspective on how we are not really aware of our emotions and we tend to not give ourselves permission to feel them. So, you know, we, it's metacognition, right? It's, it's, it's thinking about your thoughts and we don't tend to do it because we take our thoughts as fact. We believe them and we operate in our world based on that belief. And once you start talk about a game changer, once you start questioning yourself and saying, is that, what is it based on? What is this feeling I have coming from? Like, where does it come from and what is it based on? It, it can be a total game changer. It was a total game changer for me, which is why I do the work I do. So yeah. it can really help people. Well, I, I would invite people to really do that is to kind of step outside yourself a little bit and pay attention to yes. those thoughts and even what you're saying. I, I, there's one friend in particular I can think of who she's always apologizing. It, it's become a thing. Like I always tell her, will you please stop it? Just stop apologizing. And another thing for you, you're a good friend. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. Oops. Sorry. My phone's ringing. Um, so something, you know what? I'm sorry guys, but I have an Apple watch and I don't know how to make this thing quiet. So <laughs> I don't know how, so somebody teach me how to use this watch. Um, but in any event, my friend is always saying things like, are you sure? Like if you offer to pay for lunch, right. are you sure? And that's, yeah. That's fear-based thinking, man. That's, that's, that's how it works. It, it, it bubbles up, it pokes its head up 
and you know, Christina, this is the, the, the thing that I always come back to. I don't know where we got the notion that the early imprinting in our lives, the first family modeling, what we were told around the holiday table by extended family, what we were told every day at dinner, what we were told by teachers at school, on the playground, all of this stuff I could go on forever. I don't know where we got the idea that as we age, this all dissipates and just sort of you know, evaporates into, it's all on the hard drive. It, the body's keeping score, like, right? It, this is not, we're not, this is not our idea. This is factual. So all of the things that we store in our subconscious and it's all there. The first, everything starts at home, right? So the first thing to do is to really take a little time to reflect back on how you've cultivated your relationship with fear. It's all like, you just have to think about it. I actually have a infographic I use with clients where they fill in like road signs along a, a road, you know, pivot points, parts in their life that left an impression on them because they don't go away. And it's not about blame and it's not about that. It's not about that mindset. It's really about growth mindset, looking at the things that happened to you and using them as fuel for change. And fear is one of them. And it's a big one. It is a really big one. And I'm so glad that you're talking about how to really identify it because people, I think a lot of people don't recognize it as that, as fear. Um, but I am in the position to hear a lot of stories from people as a divorce lawyer about that dialogue in their head. Like they'll come to me, they want information about a divorce. Obviously they're, they're thinking about divorce or they wouldn't be here. Right. And still at the end of the conversation, there's a lot of, well, I, ha I still have to think about it. And they have a lot of reasons swirling in their heads about why they can't or should not move forward with the divorce. You know, there's yeah. always a reason not to do that. So can you give us some insight on that? Because that's really specific because like, you have to get past that if you're in an unhappy situation to move forward. You do. And, and I think the, I think one of the biggest hurdles is speaking these things, you know, talking about them because when we have our inner dialogue, well, I can't do this because of that. I can't do it. We tend to go down a rabbit hole because there's no checks or balances. So we'll say, well, I can't because, well, the money, I won't have enough money. I'll, I'll, I'll be funny. I'll, I'll be, I'll be poor. I'll starve. Like it would just go and go and go catastrophize every step of the way. So it's good to articulate the worries with someone who can be helpful to you. If it's a therapist, if it's someone like you in an, in, in an initial consult, if it's whoever it is, maybe not someone who is extremely emotionally attached to you, like a, you know, a family member that might not have the best advice um, and, and won't be objective. But, and then, you know, well, the children, they'll, they'll, the children with broken home and, you know, that, that whole line of in, internal questioning. And those two, let's just start with those two because they're so big. You know, the finances, well, get, do your homework, F figure out. I mean, a lot of that is fear-based thinking because the person won't have any idea of what the finances are. You know, I'm sure you hear this a lot. There's just a level of, you know, ignorance or detachment. One of the spouses handles the money, the other one doesn't. And there's just a, this unknowing and uncertainty is, you want to talk about, you know, a can of gasoline that you're 
striking a match to. Uncertainty is, is the biggest fuel for fear. So do your homework. Find out where the money is before you do anything. Find out where your investments are. Find out who handles it. Find out, find out. Do homework. And as far as children are concerned, you and I have talked about this. We both feel extremely passionate about this. Getting, not getting a divorce and not taking the steps forward in, to, to get a divorce because you think your children will be indelibly harmed. I ask the question, be careful what you're assuming because you're modeling for your children. You're teaching your children how to do life. And if you think children don't sense consternation and, and, and upset in the house, you know, think again, because they do. They do. And often, what it, while it's an uncomfortable process, you are ultimately teaching your children how to do life in, the, in a way that preserves you, yourself, right? How to honor your own feelings and how to do things with kindness and compassion, but doing what's best for you. And ultimately, that would be best for the children. With the huge caveat that there's no trashing the spouse in a divorce. There's no dragging the children into it. I don't care if they're 25, 35, or five. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I see so many examples of that. And I do think that most people really believe that they are not dragging the children into it. But it goes back to being really aware of yourself and your behavior and yeah. paying attention to what you're doing. Because they'll talk about the divorce or they'll say disparaging things about their spouse, but their kid is in the next room watching television and they hear everything. Yes. And, you know, they, they pick up a tone. There's just a, a tone, you know, yeah. it's like you can feel it. Like I, we, I think we've all experienced that. You can walk into a room and you can feel if there's two people sitting there that hate each other or if they were just arguing or yeah. really happy and gregarious. You feel that energy and kids feel that. Yeah, they do. And so, you know, that's what I, that's what we're talking about when we say, well, be careful the assumptions and predictions you're making, because, you know, your job as a parent is to, is to model for your children how to do life. Yeah. So, yeah. And I see people also, um, you know, when they're struggling with this decision, oftentimes you said something that struck me to do this with kindness and compassion, be kind and compassionate to your spouse, but be kind and compassionate to yourself too. Yes. Um, can you talk about that? Cause I know that's part of the fear is like my spouse won't like me or, you know, my neighbors won't like me. My mother will be mad at me. Yeah. I'll lose, will I'll lose half my friends, couple friends. I mean, there's so many things, but that's a great point because not honoring your own needs and desires and wishes and you know not, not taking up space is fear-based behavior i mean it, it is so that when when you can get to the root of it and sort of deconstruct it and say why am i so uncomfortable looking after what i need like that's you know it sounds simplistic it is not for many people like but to but to deconstruct say where did when did that start? How did I get so good at trying to disappear? How did I get so good at, you know, marginalizing myself? Um, and it, sometimes it comes from, you know, dynamics in the, in the marriage that have been perpetuated and, and we just get good at sort of 
fueling those, or it could be earlier than that. It could be how we came into the marriage and what we thought of ourselves then. But it usually goes back to how we think about ourselves, what we think about ourselves. In fact, I do a, um, I do a, an exercise with clients called a mirror billboard activity, where I actually have them look in the mirror and create a caption as if the mirror were a billboard, like what we would like the world to, to know of us, how we would like to be presented to the world. It's a hard one for a lot of people. And, you know, and then once they get to it and, and you see the, the dissonance between that caption and how they actually show up in their life, that's where a lot of good work can start because, okay, how do, how did I get here? And that, but that's really the way I want to show up. So it just takes some work and some reflection and discovery and, and a lot can, a lot of good can come from that. So, so the, this topic today is specifically to help people get unstuck from divorce fear to kind of get over that hump of mm -hmm. thinking and thinking and thinking about it. But when, at some point, when you think about it long enough, you know, it's time. I mean, I think we can appreciate at some point that it's time. I'm really just putting it off at this point. I, I know what I want. I'm just not moving forward and pulling the trigger on it. I hate to use that expression. It's just for some reason it doesn't seem right. But no, I, I follow you. But like it's time, right? It's time to move forward. So for those people watching that really need some need to know the nuts and bolts of how do I do this? How do I make myself do this? Um, as you said, the first step would be being more self-aware, paying attention to the language in their head. But what else? What are some? Well, you know, let's strip it down even further because, you know, when you're in that emotional state, you know, you don't kind of want to hear, oh, I'm, it's time to do self-reflection. You know, you're just, you're just sort of like activated in all of your, you're just pumping cortisol. So, Ask yourself the question, am, you know, cut through the, the circumstances and all of the reasons why not or what, what's going to be difficult, what's going to get in your way, because all of those things can be navigated with the right help. Are you, do you feel good in your skin in this relationship and would, is the thought of being out of the relationship, does that spark you? Does that make you feel like this, that the thought of that freedom or that flexibility in your life or the possibilities for a different kind of next chapter? Does that excite you? Does that feel good? Do you fantasize about just snapping your fingers and, you know, like something happening so that you're you're divorced? You know, I'm not going to be specific, but this is what some how some people come to know, like they fantasize that their spouse some, something befalls them and they don't have to divorce, but they're out of it. They do? Uh-huh. How do you know, Nancy? <laughs> I do my homework. I talk to a lot. I've read a lot. talked to a lot of therapists. I, I do my homework. Like the, the number of sexless marriages. I mean, we, you know, let's just be frank. There's a lot of them. Mm, yeah. So what, if you ask yourself, like, does the thought of being out of this relationship feel, feel good on some level? And as is, have I just gotten accustomed to all of these dysfunctions because it's easier than facing the fears I have about leaving it. And I don't mean to be in any way flippant. 
I understand what a huge decision it is. I went through it myself. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. So I am not being flippant about it. But for me personally, and for many people that I talk to, it really comes down to, am I, do I want to be out of this? Like, do I think about it and fantasize about it and dream about it? Like, do I really just want to be out of it when I'm finally alone because there's a business trip or there's a thing or whatever? Is it so exciting to me? Like there's telltale signs if we pay attention to them. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you don't care about the person or you don't, I mean, I love my former spouse. It doesn't mean you don't care about, it just may mean that you have, you, you are on different paths you have grown apart, you have detached from one another. It may be that your relationship has changed in a way that it's no longer sustainable. It could mean a lot of things. It could mean you just love them differently. Not a marriage love. There's so many things. But the first step is you have to honor those feelings and dig in and try to understand them and just ask yourself pretty simple questions. What do I want? Am I happy here? Would I rather not be here? You know, and it doesn't have to do necessarily with being with someone else or being just you got to have the conversation with yourself. And that's not easy for a lot of people. That's a really basic question. Am I happy here? Because I think a lot of people muddy it with all these other questions. Like, right. well, will I ever find somebody else? And, you know, are my kids going to be screwed up because they come from a divorced home? And, yes. you know, what are other people going to think? And where am I going to live? And how am I going to have money? Is this going to destroy us financially? And they start thinking about all those other things. But I think it's really great advice to just focus on one thing first, because the first question you have to answer is, do I want to be in this marriage? You know, that's the first question. Right. And and I don't we're in a sort of an it's all good epidemic. You know what I mean? Like I've heard it's all it's all good. Like so many other people have it like so much worse. And that may be true. I mean, that may be true. I think being great, grateful for everything we have is, is a, is a wonderful daily exercise. That said, I sometimes hear, well, it's all good after a string of, you know, no, yeah, no, we don't do date nights anymore because we've just been married too long. No, you know, we don't have sex anymore because, nah, you know, we, you know, we've had our kids, we're, you know, we've been married 25 years, like all of these things. And, and you hear this litany of, uncomfortable things that that speak to a lack of connection when there's a lack of connection those are all symptomatic and they deserve attention but we've been socialized a little bit to believe that for some reason we're, we would be i don't know selfish or hedonistic or shallow to think that those things like are important and should be part of our marriage if it doesn't feel right to you it's not right Simple. If it doesn't yeah. feel right, then it's not right. Yeah. And it deserves attention. That's maybe if it gets attention, you can come together and rekindle your connection. And by connection, I mean heart connection. Um, and often people can if they work together to do it. So divorce is not always the, the, the path, the best path for everybody. But I'm just saying, gosh, ask the questions, have the conversations, have the discussions, shine light on these things. Don't think they're going to go away because they're not going to, going to go away and don't accept that they're just part of a marriage that's been in existence for a long time. That's kind of a shot to both of you, you know? Yeah. Um, I Something comes to mind when I think back on the typical conversations that I have with my own clients. And one thing that I hear a lot is, 
Well, I'm just calling to get information because I want to know what a divorce would look like. Specifically, they want to know, well, you know, how much of my money will I have to part with or how much money will I get depending on their situation? What will it look like financially if we get divorced? Right. And it's almost like they're, they want to know that first because if it doesn't look a certain way or they're not satisfied with the way it would look, then they'll just stay married. And that's and really shocking to me. That's stunning and not at all uncommon. And that is, and you say, we can say, oh, it's just fear about money. But fear about money is symptomatic of fear about many things because it's, it's the meaning we attach, right? Everything, perceptions are reality. So everything boils down to the meaning we attach to it. And I'm, again, not suggesting money's not important. Of course it is. We need roofs over our heads. We need food. We need, you know. And for some people, they really believe they can't live without, you know, the extensions of that, the vacations and the, the okay, okay. But it, let's talk about the meaning you're attaching to it. The meaning you're attaching to that, if that starts to eclipse, right, the, your, your desire to be comfortable in your skin, well, then maybe you're not ready to get a divorce and maybe you should stay. But have the conversation. Take a look at yourself. I under, I, I've heard the same thing from many people. And, and the thing is, Christine, and you know this, it's very difficult to tell a person what it's going to look like financially. You need to have that affidavit. You need to have all that information. You need to fill it out, give it to your attorney so they can see what all the assets are. Some people don't even know where they are. There's stuff they don't know about. I mean, it goes on and on. So if it all boils down to what the price tag of this divorce is, I really believe that's symptomatic of deeper issues. And, um, you know, again, it's hard for you to say that to people, but they, they, there needs to be other conversations first. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I know that this is what you do. You help people uh, break through the fear. I know you've recently launched a new course. So mm -hmm. can you tell us about that? Yes, I uh, thank you. Uh, I launched uh, my online course called The Fear Formula, How to Get Unstuck and Lean into Courage. And it is uh, a self-paced course that teaches all the strategies that I teach clients in one-on-one -on -one and in corporate uh, team coaching that I do. Um, and it's, it's broken down into four steps which is the fear formula, find, enlighten, accept, and reframe. So find the identifying the fears, understanding them, accepting them, taking ownership of them, and then reframing them because the first three have to happen before you can change your fear-based thinking. And these strategies worked for me after, you know, 30 years of being crippled in fear-based thoughts. I just was in my own way, every which way. And they changed my life and I've put them in this course. I'm really proud of it. And it's helped people already. And I've gotten some really great feedback. Um, people who's just discovered things about themselves that they didn't know and were able to change and shift things. So that's really rewarding for me. So I'm hoping it will help more people. So who would be a really good candidate for this course? Anybody who, if they're listening, if they're hearing, you know, this podcast today and they're kind of saying, mm, that sounds like me, like I have trouble standing in my power. I have trouble speaking truth. I have trouble asking for things or I have imposter syndrome or I feel insecure all the time or at work, I always say yes to everything and I never set boundaries or, you know, there's just so many different kind of 
habits that we can just take for granted as who we are and our personality that really speak to a lot of fear, being immersed in a lot of fear-based thinking. And this course kind of walks learners through, you know, that meta thinking. Why do you do what you do? Why do you think the way you do? And introduces the concepts of how you can change those thoughts and practice a different way of showing up. Well, I would strongly encourage anybody who is, if you've heard yourself at all, in this conversation and i highly recommend that you look further into taking this course and working with nancy um and you can also find nancy you can find other interviews that we've done with nancy on our facebook feed and on our podcast the divorce happy hour podcast i also have a link to your website nancyrberger.com and they thank you yeah, there's a course page there now. So you can go there to learn more about the course, see exactly what you get, read testimonials. And there's a lot of information there if, if there's any interest. And so what what parting words would you like to leave us with? Like, what is your number one tip that you want people to leave with and they're thinking about in their heads right now? Well, you know, I'm kind of partial to my tagline, which is find your fear find your way. I am the embodiment of this. Like, you know, once you can tap into raise your awareness around how you're showing up, how you're thinking, and don't take them as fact, don't take your thoughts as fact, learn how to shift them. You are in control. And the parting words are this, everyone has the power right now to change and navigate out of fear-based thinking. It's like Dorothy and the Ruby Slippers, man. We all have the power. It's just a matter of doing it, doing the work, practicing it, being consistent, and it can change a lot. I love that right now. Right now, people, you can do this right now. Right now. It's gonna have to be a big, long process right now. Right. Well, thank you, Nancy. I would love to have you on again. There's never a shortage of topics for us to talk about. Oh boy. I know. Thank you for having me and look forward to it next time. Likewise. Thank you for watching Divorce Happy Hour podcast. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out divorcehappyhour.com. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.